for five for five days. Um, I don't know what the deal is here. A sola scriptura. Uh, you may recall that um, when we started this whole thing, we started with what I called the material cause of the Protestant Reformation, the the matter of the Protestant Reformation. What is the matter of the Protestant Reformation? The matter was, indeed, um, sola fides. But the formal cause, the underlying cause, the thing that really was um, even more fundamental um, is sola scriptura. And that, that, that's not my judgment, ladies and gentlemen. That's, his, that's uh, uh, Christian history's judgment, that the, that the formal cause of the Protestant Reformation is this thing called sola scriptura. The, um, the first thing that I want to do is, is maybe correct a, a notion that you may have, and that is uh, sola scriptura has really, well, it, it's not that it has nothing to do with it, but the, but the subject of sola scriptura is not about the infallibility or inerrancy or inspiration of scripture. That's not what this is about. Now, those things are related and they're important to the whole idea, but sola scriptura is not about inspiration. It's not about inerrancy. It's not about, well, we believe the Bible. That's not, that's not it. Um, that's not what we're talking about when we, t- when we come to sola scriptura. Of course, you're going to see this. We'll spend three or four weeks on this. I don't know, maybe three. But the real issue has to do with this. Just like in all the other four solas, it has to do with the matter of or the issue of alone. Scripture alone. Like faith alone, you know. So the, the, the Roman Catholic Church certainly believes that the Bible is inspired. Just like we do. Thinks it's a very sacred text. Just like we do. The issue is with alone. And, and I'll, I'll make that clearer as we go tonight. Guys, the, the first public hint of the, of this, of this catchphrase of sola scriptura, uh, came, um, at the debate between Martin Luther and John Eck at Leipzig. Now, you know, the, the, the Diet at Worms took place in 1521. Um, the, the debate between Eck and Luther occurred in 1519. Um, but that was the first place where this thing began to take on flesh. Um, and, and it got Luther into big trouble because it was there at Leipzig that Luther insisted that, that Scripture was the Christian supreme authority. Uh, above popes and above councils. And that, of course, set him on a path that led to, um, uh, he, he needed to be dealt with. Once he said that scripture is to be uh, considered above popes and above councils, it's the supreme authority. That put him on a collision course with uh, Roman Catholicism. It was there that it got its first hint. But it was at the Diet of Worms. Now, I think most of you know what that is. That's when Luther was asked to recant. Um, you know, the, the, the dramatic scene. They made a movie out of this. And they, they spread his books on a table and said, are these your books? And uh, will you recant? And the, 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 the phrase is revoco. Will you, rev, will, you, will you recant of what you've written? And he said, give me a night to think about it. 
he thought about it and comes back and he makes that, that historic statement. I won't read you all of it because it starts with a couple of sentences that are really rather funny, that, that, uh, the way he answered. But the, the essence of what he said is, unless I am convinced by Scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. Didn't that, I mean, that just gives me chill bumps to even read it. And, and then he goes on to say, um, here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. But the, the first formalized statement of sola scriptura was in that very famous statement. That is, I do not accept the authority of, of, of popes and councils, um, and my conscience is held captive to the word of God. And, and, I, and you could say, sort of, thus, sola scriptura was launched. Now, that's not exactly true because Augustine believed in the same thing. But this whole concept of, of, of it being t- titled this, sola scriptura, or scripture alone, certainly happened um, there. In its, in its very historic statement in the Diet of Worms in 1521. Ladies and gentlemen, Luther and the Reformers did not mean, by sola scriptura, they did not mean that the Bible was the only authority in the church. That's not what they meant. What they meant by sola scriptura is that the Bible was the only infallible authority in the church. There were other authorities that were to be observed and to be uh, uh, esteemed. But there was only one infallible uh, authority, and that was Scripture alone. Now, ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. The issue, when it comes to sola scriptura, the issue is authority. That is the heartbeat of sola scriptura. Who has authority? Where did they get it? Where does it come from? And the reformers answered, of course, from Scripture alone. But you can well imagine that the religious establishment in the Roman Catholic Church was would be up in arms over anything or anyone who would undermine their authority, anything that threatened their authority um, was going to result in a fight. And boy, has there ever been one. Um, now, I'm going to read you this again. I, I, and as I've, I've counseled you in the, in the past weeks, don't go read Wikipedia, Wikipedia articles. Read the Roman Catholic sites if you want to find out what their position is. Read the Roman, this is another one that, that, um, but I've read you. This is called, uh, Catholic Answers. And, um, let me just, this is just a paragraph, but it, it, it does identify for you the great opposition that Roman Catholicism has to Sola Scriptura. Since the Immaculate Conception and Assumption, Immaculate Conception of Mary and the Assumption that is Mary was received up into heaven, she didn't go, go into the grave, since the Immaculate Conception and Assumption are not explicit in Scripture, they admit that. 
fundamentalists, which we are, conclude that the doctrines are false. We conclude that they're false because we believe in sola scriptura. (laughs) Here, of course, we get into an entirely separate matter, the question of sola scriptura, or the Protestant Bible-only theory. There is no room in this tract to consider that idea. Let it just be said that if the position of the Catholic Church is true, get it? If the position of the Catholic Church is true, then the notion of sola scriptura is false. And they're exactly right. And see, that's that's why I, I, I don't think that we're impressed enough with the vast chasm that exists between Protestantism and Roman Catholicism. Uh, if, the, if the position on the Roman Catholic Church is true, then Sola Scriptura is false. But if Sola Scriptura is true, then fill in the blank. There is then no problem with the church officially defining a doctrine which is not explicitly in Scripture so long as it does not in contradiction to Scripture. Now, does the Scripture say that Mary was not immaculately conceived? No, it doesn't. So you can propose that, even though it's found it's not found in there, but the if you if you're not bound to a sola scriptura, then you can come up with things such as as that. Guys I say it again, in this discussion of Sola Scriptura, the thing that's at stake is the issue of authority. Where does ultimate authority reside? Is it in the church? Or is it in the scriptures? That, ladies and gentlemen, is the issue. Do you you get that? It's not about inspiration. It's not about infallibility. It's about where does authority reside? Is it in the scripture or is it in the church? If if I could say it just a little bit differently, the issue is, ladies and gentlemen, the sufficiency of scripture or (laughs) the insufficiency. Of scripture. That is the issue when it comes to sola scriptura. Now, guys, what is the source of religious truth for God's people? It's very important. What is the source of religious truth for you? Is it your church? Or is it the scripture? Roman Catholicism says scripture is not enough. And to it, Roman Catholicism adds tradition. It's really tradition with a capital T. It's really oral tradition. Um, It is an oral tradition that is sanctioned by the church. So, ladies and gentlemen, now, now, stay with me. Um, it is scripture plus tradition 
as, I don't know how to write this, as sanctioned by the church. So, what do you end up with? The real source of authority. Because the church has to sanction whether or not any of that is true. And thus, instead of having sola scriptura, you end up in Roman Catholicism with sola ecclesia. Or the church alone. Now, guys, um, uh, a, a two-source theory is, is woven into Roman Catholicism. But you got to understand there's really three. Because the church has the final say. And thus, you have a three-source um, view of truth. And the church is the determiner of it all. Truth is found in both scripture and tradition. Um, and it is the task of interpret, or the task of interpreting both of those is entrusted to bishops in communion with the successor of Peter, the Bishop of Rome. Um, this two source theory was made official dogma at the Council of Trent. And by the way, Luther said the effect of the, the, the Tridentine position of the two sources of, um, of authority, the effect of it was in essence to place a gag over the mouth of Scripture. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do this to you again because I just, I just said something to you that I want to read to you from the compendium of the catechism of the catholic church as in year it it was it was published in 2005 this is not an old document that i'm 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 reading from you remember i've done this before it's the question and the answer thing this is question number 14 what is the relationship between tradition and sacred scripture now ladies and gentlemen this is the roman catholic answer to that what is the relationship between tradition and sacred scripture? I'm quoting. Tradition and sacred scripture are bound closely together and communicate uh, one with the other. Each of them makes present and fruitful in the church the mystery of Christ. They flow out of the same divine wellspring and together make up one sacred deposit of faith from which the church derives her certainty about revelation. Do you understand what I just read you? I said to you that the two-source theory of authority was tridentine dogma. It came out of the Council of Trent in 1546. That just said it, that you have tradition, scripture, plus tradition, and together you can come up with um, uh, the, the, a sacred deposit of faith from which the church derives our certainty about revelation. i got two more to questions to, to read from you from the same document. This is question 16. Now, 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 ladies and gentlemen, if anything, this is more dangerous than what I just read you. Question 16. To whom is given the task of authentically interpreting the deposit of faith. Now, what is the deposit of faith? I just told you. It's sacred scripture plus tradition. 
to whom is given the task of interpreting that? Answer. The task of giving an authentic interpretation of the deposit of faith has been entrusted to the living teaching office of the church alone. That is, to the successor of Peter, the bishop of Rome, and to the bishops in communion with him. Do you get that? There is only one folk that can properly interpret. And that's the bishop at Rome, the successor of Peter, who happens to be the Pope, and the bishops in communicate in communion with him. One more. This is all from this compendium of the catechism. Question 17. What is the relationship between Scripture, tradition, and the magisterium? Now, that's a new term for you. Magisterium. The magisterium um, is a, a group, and, and I don't know how many are included in all this, but it's the Pope and the bishops in communion with him and the theologians of the, of the church. Those are all in, considered a part of the magisterium. Okay, let me read you the question again. What is the relationship between Scripture, tradition, and the magisterium? Scripture, answer. Scripture, tradition, and the magisterium are so closely united with each other that one of the one of these cannot stand without the others. Working together, each in its own way, under the action of the Holy Spirit, they all contribute effectively to the salvation of souls. Now, so do you see what they've done? They have taken Scripture plus tradition, plus the magisterium, or the church, and saying they all work together, they are on equal footing um, in, in, in laboring over the salvation of souls. Now, ladies and gentlemen, can you see now, the Protestant Reformation stepped forward and said, no way, sola scriptura. The real issue is not whether the Bible is inspired. The Roman Catholic Church would say it's inspired. The real issue is from whence cometh authority. And the Protestant world says it comes from Scripture alone. That means, heaven forbid, Jimmy Young might be wrong. Now, we don't believe that, any of us here, but at least I don't believe no, ladies and gentlemen, because the source of authority is Jimmy Young's faithfulness to that book. If Jimmy Young is faithful to that book, then Jimmy Young speaks authoritatively. If he's not, stone him. That's what's at stake, ladies and gentlemen. So you are entrusting to a magisterium the right interpretation and its thumbs up or thumbs down concerning what tradition is to be considered a part of and equal to the Scripture. <laughs> um, and by the way, 
That has been Roman Catholic doctrine since the 16th century. One of the things that this one of these little girls who comes on on Wednesday night, she's not here tonight, but she, you know, she's from her own Catholic background, and she says, uh, "Well, yeah, they used to believe that, but they don't believe that anymore." That's what her friends tell. You know, she's going to her friends and saying, "Do you believe? Do you know what they're saying?" And they, oh, they don't believe that anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, what I just read you from a 2005 document is perfectly consistent with the Council of Trent of the 16th century. Yes, they do believe that. They still believe it. And, and, and what it became known as is the two-source theory of authority or of truth. But actually, in, in de facto, it's really more than two, it's three. Um, Luther, one of the reasons that he never trusted tradition was that he discovered that tradition actually contradicted the Bible. Uh, and we've gone over some of those, that Mary was sinless, that there's papal infallibility, that Mary was the co-redemptrix, uh, that uh, she was immaculately conceived, that the Bible... He found these things to be in, in, in contradiction to the Scriptures, and then they also, the Reformers also discovered that there were traditions in the Roman Catholic Church that contradicted other traditions that were in the Roman Catholic Church. And, and one of the, one of the problems that Rome faces is that she's never been able to provide a complete list of all of the oral traditions which she claims to have preserved as being a, depo- a part of the deposit of truth. So no one knows which, which traditions with a little t are included in traditions with a big T. That's, that, that document does not exist. Um, Luther and then subsequent perform, uh, reformers challenged the infallibility of the church. Uh, as I told you, they didn't say there was, uh, that the Bible was the only authority. They just said that the Bible was the only infallible authority. And so the, the, the reformers took on um, uh, Roman Catholicism and her claim to be able to infallibly and alone interpret and give the right determination of the deposit of truth. Now, that's why you, maybe you can understand now why, why sola scriptura is called the formal cause of the Protestant Reformation. The real underlying problem was from whence cometh our authority. Um, <clears throat> sola scriptura has to do with the sufficiency of scripture as our supreme authority in all spiritual matters. That's what we're talking about. We are not saying as Protestants that the scripture gives us all truth. But it does give us all the truth necessary to save us. Now, the, the Roman Catholic position on scripture is that scripture does not and cannot speak for itself. So, that it's got to be interpreted by the church, the church's teaching authority and the only one that has the right to do that is the magisterium. You know, one of the, 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 the calling cards of the Reformation was the right of, impri- of private interpretation. Now, by the way, 
ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I maybe I don't know if we're going to have time to get to this, but I'm telling you, we love that issue of the right of private interpretation, do we not? And I'm telling you, we abuse it. We in the evangelical community have turned sola scriptura into solo scriptura. That the final answer is me. That's not what sola scriptura, and that's not what the right of private interpretation meant, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not up here teaching solo scriptura. I'm up here teaching sola scriptura. And that's that's kind of an aside. I, we don't have time to delve in. We, we might get to it in the other weeks. but um, For the Roman Catholic Church, the scripture de facto has no inherent authority. But like all spiritual truth in Roman Catholicism, it derives its authority from the, from the, from the church. It is not the church, the scripture that gave the church authority. It's the church that gave scripture authority. In fact, this is a quote. Um, only what the church says is deemed the true word of God, the sacred scripture written principally in the church's heart rather than in documents and records. Do you see what they're trying to do? The, 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 the deposit is in the, the, the heart of the church, not on some document. So it's not very hard to understand why, why, um, why Roman Catholic apologists have attacked sola scriptura. I mean, uh, they've attacked it with a vengeance. Because if they can, if you can topple this one, um, then all of the, all of the differences that Protestantism stands for, they, they can, they will unravel as well. Um, because in the Roman Catholic system, guys, whatever the church says, must be the standard by which Scripture is to be interpreted. The church, not Scripture, Scripture written in documents and, and records, the church defines the truth about justification by faith. You know, we spent three weeks on that back in January. And the vast differences between Protestant, Protestant, Protestantism's view of justification and Roman Catholicism's view by, of justification and, and what the Roman Catholic Church says is the authority for determining that lies not in the precepts that are drawn from this book. The authority that determines that is the church. Um, if I can just put it in another way, if you accept the church as infallibly correct, then what the scripture says is ultimately irrelevant. Because I'm, it's not the authority. Now, let me give you the, the Protestant it's kind of a lengthy definition of sola scriptura. This is what this is what Protestantism said about this whole issue. Um, and I forget where I got this, <laughs> but it's 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 pretty good. 
not the tradition that comes from the church fathers, not the councils, not the Pope, but Holy Scripture alone is the fountain and judge in all questions of faith and teaching. From here on, it is a matter of Scripture alone. This is because the Bible regards itself as the most clear, most simple, most appropriate interpreter of itself, examining, judging, and illuminating all of everything. So, how are we to find the correct interpretation of the Scriptures? We look to the Scriptures. That is the first principle, ladies and gentlemen, of hermeneutics. It's called the analogy of faith. That is, that the the best way to interpret Scripture, the, 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 the more complex parts of Scripture, is by looking at the clearer parts of Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture. Now, guys, I, I said earlier, and we hadn't got long, but the emphasis is always in this is always on the alone. The battle was not about um, it was not even about the authority of Scripture. It was about the authority of Scripture alone. The Roman Catholic Church would say that Scripture has authority, but the difference is, Protestantism says it is it is alone. The source of all authority. Um, but, but this two sources of authority clearly taught in Trent. It was restated in Humana Generis in, in 1940. It is found in this compendium of, of the catechism that I found. Um, it, it is, it has been the position of the church, of the Roman Catholic Church. It continues to be the, um, um, position of the Roman Catholic Church no matter what individual Roman Catholics may or may not know. And that's the comment that I've gotten. I bet you I've gotten it a hundred times. I bet you the Roman Catholic individual doesn't know that the church stands for that. Well, that's probably true. But shame on them. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know what we believe here? If you don't, we've got a little card for you. We usually give out in the new members class. But I, but I would say again that a, that a bigger problem is the magisterial authority claimed by the church to interpret the scriptures. That's a bigger problem. That's scarier to me than adding tradition. But the claim that that, that the only one who has a rightful the right to interpret is the church. That's um that's scary. Um, the Holy Mother Church is the final word in her interpretation. The scripture is to be interpreted by the church and her oral tradition. Um, so, may I point out to you that scripture is then subordinate to the church in terms of the origins and the sources of our authority. Um, gang, um, I've got a whole, I don't know how much of this I want to read, but this is what I wanted to close with. And this is, but this is, I know you don't like to be read to, and and I'll skip this last paragraph about the Council of Trent, but, um, this, this says it pretty well. You really ought to, anyway, listen to this better more than to me, but.
Protestantism and Roman Catholicism agree that the Bible is the inspired word of God. I said that. But they differ widely in regard to the place that it is to have in the life of the church. Yes. Protestantism holds that the Bible alone is the authoritative and sufficient rule of faith and practice. Yes. But Romanism holds that the Bible must be supplemented. Just swallow that word. The Bible must be supplemented by a great body of tradition consisting of 14 or 15 apocryphal books or portions of books equivalent to about two-thirds of the volume of the New Testament and the voluminous writings of the Greek and Latin church fathers and a huge collection of church council pronouncements and papal decrees as of equal value and authority to the scriptures. Did you get all that stuff in there? That is to be the supplement for the scriptures? There are two sources of authority in a Roman Catholicism scripture, and this, and by the way, they, they, they underscore this word developing tradition. The point is, it ain't over. It's not just the traditions of the past, there's still possibility of some more getting in here. Um, with the church being the judge of what scripture is, excuse me, I read that wrongly. The church being the judge of scripture, and therefore able to say authoritatively what the right interpretation is. The only ones who have that right is the church. Can you see why they despised and wanted to murder Martin Luther? Because Martin Luther said, "Mm -mm -mm -mm, there's more than the church. There's something that is a, a supreme value, and it ain't the church, it ain't the pope, it ain't the councils. And that's been being fought, ladies and gentlemen, for 500 years. Um, this, in effect, gives three authorities. The Bible, the tradition, and the church. I've already pointed that out. The primacy is in the hands of the church, since it controls both tradition and the interpretation of Scripture. Boy, that's a good sentence. The church controls... Um, both tradition and the interpretation of Scripture. This, therefore, is the basis on which the Roman system rests. If this can be shown to be erroneous, it will be seen that the whole system rests on falsehood. So that's what you got, ladies and gentlemen. You know, we like to make the choices really kind of stark and clear here. You've got sola scriptura. Or you've got sola ecclesia. But if we as Protestantism can demonstrate that this is false, what we have done is demonstrate that the whole Roman system is rooted in and based on falsehood. I couldn't believe that any more than I believe it right now, that the whole system is rooted in and based on falsehood.
Our Father, I, I pray that you will uh, give your people discernment and, and wisdom as they try to wrestle with and understand um, their own views, the, the place from which they get authority, the, the place to which they look for authority. And, um, Father, um, God help them if they believe everything I say. And I pray that you will make students of the word out of each of us, that we might um, genuinely and passionately wrestle through uh, items which determine the very basis of our faith. This is one of them, Lord, and I pray that you will help your people sort this out and, and arrive at a position that glorifies you. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and good night.